Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning. Good morning, I'm Michelle Martin. Good of you to join us here on Your Money. Sold down nearly 1%. Sydney trading higher. The ASX 200 up nearly 1%. Markets in Japan closed today. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How are you doing this Thursday, Ryan Huang? Hey, it's Thursday, so one day closer to Friday. What's good? <laughs> Our goals are simple, to claw to the weekend. U.S. markets finished broadly higher overnight. The Dow, the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq all closed up about 1%. Now, the rally started early in the session and continued after U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's media briefing, wrapping up a two-day meeting of the Fed's Open Market Committee. Spoiler alert, the Fed is going to start pulling its foot off the accelerator, tapering its easy money policy before the end of the year. But markets took the news in stride. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But first, the other big overhang on markets this week. A potential default by the world's most indebted property developer. I am talking, yes, of China's Evergrande Group. So Ryan, Evergrande has more than 300 billion US dollars in liabilities. And today is the day that it's due to make two payments to credit holders, Mm. one to bondholders in China and another to bondholders overseas. So what do we know? Is Evergrande going to meet its obligations or is it going to default? Yeah, so this story is just swinging back and forth. For now, it seems like we've got reports uh, indicating that they have managed to agree to a deal with domestic bondholders to avoid default on one of its interest payments. So this is around its 2025 onshore bond. Um, which is ha- which has a 5.8% coupon rate and this is with interest worth around $48 million. So that's okay. According to them, they can pay it off and mm-hmm. they say anyone who bought those bonds will be entitled to be paid interest on time. But what's worth noting is you pointed out there are two interest payments due. So that's the thing. There is still no mention of what's going to happen to the other payment due and that's on an offshore bond. So that is what... Um, many foreign investors bought into. So, in effect, you've got clarity on Chinese retail bondholders, but not so much for those holding overseas. So that's the thing here. A big question mark over what might happen later today on that bond as well as what's going to happen next week when they have another payment due on their 2024 bonds. And this is around a payment of... $47.5 million next mm. Wednesday. So it looks like Evergrande is prioritizing its renminbi-denominated debt. Now, whether it can pay $83 million US million in interest on its dollar-denominated bonds is another question. So, Ryan, are the markets still worried about contagion? Do you think Evergrande could be an overhang on the markets for some time to come unless there is state support? Yeah, it depends on who you ask these days. Mm. For now, there seems to be a group taking comfort in the fact that, hey, there is some money that they are using to pay out. And you've seen that with the agreement on domestic bondholders. And the question then is, you know, who will take priority in getting repaid? Will they leave overseas investors hanging? So that's still a question mark. And if you talk about contagion, that was also an issue that was raised at the overnight FOMC meeting. Fed Chair Jerome Powell actually addressed this issue and kind of downplayed the significance of what might transpire in terms of ripple effects into the US. He says right now, there's little direct US exposure to the debt of China 
Evergrande for now it seems to be contained within China. So that seems to be, I guess, some reassurance of some extent to U.S. investors. And he also pointed out that corporate defaults in the U.S. are very low right now. And he's only, I guess, watching for what he has flagged that it might be an issue of confidence in global financial conditions in what might happen next. So that is the well, situation depends on how you read the glass. Is it half full or half empty? Absolutely. So high-profile influencer Jerome Powell playing down the risk of market contagion from an Evergrande default, also noting that corporate defaults in the US are quite low at the moment. Which brings us, of course, to our next topic this morning, the Fed. The US Federal Reserve is signaling a shift away from pandemic-era support. Now, the Fed has been supporting liquidity through bond purchases and near-zero interest rates. It has long said that the first step towards turning to a more normal monetary policy would be to purchase fewer bonds and that's a process that investors call tapering, which frankly has freaked markets out before. So Ryan, did we hear the word taper in Powell's actual remarks? Well, we definitely got some strong signals on when that will happen. So this now points to it being set up in November, the next FOMC meeting, and it could take place as early as November. Uh, but most market watchers expect it to happen in December in terms of the tapering process kicking off. So that will then wrap up in mid-2022, according to Fed Chair Jerome Powell. So in effect, you've got some rather expected signals coming through around tapering. And he says... Interest rate hikes will not happen until the tapering process is done. So that at least gives some clarity on how the path towards normalization might happen. And just for, I guess, context, back in 2014, that was when the taper tension happened. And we talked about tapering. That took 10 months for the entire exercise to be scaled back. So that was then. Um, but it looks like now we might see tapering being wrapped up in a shorter time frame. How about interest rates? Uh, do we have a better sense now of when the Fed may begin to raise them? Okay, so this is where the dot plot graph comes in. And if you look at a dot plot, then that is when you have the dots being put on a bit of a graph according to the, where the 18 FOMC members think rates will be in the next three years. And the dots have shifted somewhat. Uh, at least you've got more Fed members thinking there will be a rate hike next year. So back in June, we had seven thinking we might get a rate hike next year. Mm. But now we've got nine out of the 18 thinking that might happen next year. So a bit more uh, inclination towards rate hikes happening next year. And you also, if you look at 2013, all but one member expecting at least one rate hike in the next year, um, 2023. And you've got 13 members forecasting two rate hikes through 2023. So all in, you've got six to seven rate hikes by well, the next three years or so. Hmm. So that's where you can, I think, put your bets on term, in terms of um, what type of rate hikes you're looking at. So you do have some more inclination in that sense. Indeed. The markets took Powell's remarks in stride, though. Share prices finish higher. Bond yields finish largely unchanged. The yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note currently trading around 1.3%. On another day, news of tightening monetary policy would have provoked a sell-off. So why do you think this time it didn't? I think it all comes down to expectations and how you manage it. And for you know, some weeks and months or even longer, mm-hmm. we've heard how tapering might come. And that, in a sense, is 
communication expectations, managing of those um, expectations. Mm. So quite well telegraphed in the sense that everyone was watching out for tapering talk, talk about tapering, thinking about taperings and so on and so forth. So that's been laid out very well in the past few quarters. And that is something that didn't take the market by surprise. So that's good news for markets. And also, on top of that, you've got the easing of worries around China Evergrande, and that seemed to help commodity prices. So we saw oil prices up by around 2%, and commodities across the board, actually, if you look at the Bloomberg Commodity Index, and that tracks 23 raw materials, it was up 1.4% overnight, and it snaps a four-day losing streak. So those easing of concerns around consumption of industrial materials, for example, um, kind of have eased off. And you've got copper among the base materials rising, and corn to sugar all rising as well. So that is seeing energy, the energy sector, the top performer overnight on the S&P 500 up over 3.2%. So one of the main drivers for the strength in markets. Powell did have a word of warning to US lawmakers regarding another issue that is overhanging the markets. I am talking about the US debt limit, which needs to be raised soon by the US Congress. Otherwise, the US government could face a default on its bonds. So does Powell think that the Fed could ease the impact of this if it were to happen. Yeah, it's a bit of a broken record, right? So the debt limit issue has come back again. And once again, Fed Chair Jerome Powell is issuing the same warning. If the government does not resolve this, it will mean severe damage to the economy. So we've heard this before. And if you know, we expect how things could play out, it will be a bit of a tug of war in terms of politics. Right now, we've got one side trying to almost weaponize the issue and say they won't budge until they get some concessions on other issues. So it's becoming a bit of a, in a sense, ticking time bomb or um, something to watch out for as we head towards the end of the month. That is when they need to resolve this. Otherwise, you will see a partial government shutdown. All right, to a different topic altogether. Let's go. Uh, Ryan, which COVID-19 vaccine did you receive and did you have a preference? I had the Pfizer one. No preference. I just went for the one that was closest to my place. Did you? I did have a preference. I'd heard that one caused, you know, a little bit more symptoms. So I went for the other, shall we say. Uh, Both vaccines are good, but there is new data about about which one lasts longer. What's the current verdict? Okay, so this is now based on a study in the US Uh of around 5,000 healthcare workers in 25 states on how actually effective it is in real world settings. And guess what? One of them was actually more effective than the other. And for a long time, we've been hearing how all vaccines are, well, somewhat equal, Mm -hmm. but not in this case, Mm. at least according to the study. The Pfizer-BioNTech effectiveness came through at 88.8% and Moderna came through at 96.3%. So congratulations if you took Moderna and you believe in the study. Um, It might be a bit more effective, at least according to the study, but no. Who knows? Moderna piping, Pfizer and effectiveness. So what do you think this could mean for Pfizer's business? I mean, more booster shots, conceivably good for its business, right? Well, at least according to the street cred or some reputation points, it might benefit. But you have to remember, a lot of these contracts are already locked in, right? And to some extent, it's pretty much the same, almost 90-ish. So it's still quite high. It's Mm. just not as high according to the study. So I'm not sure it's 
if it's enough to sway any government in terms of changing their plans. I'm for more. I want as high as possible. Give me those booster shots as soon as you can. Now, another COVID-related news, Australia appears to set to ease up some of the world's strictest COVID-19 restrictions. 17 weeks for some, right, in parts of Australia. So what's the latest there? Yeah, so it looks like Australia is making plans to reopen its international borders by Christmas at the latest. And this is around vaccination rates hitting uh, 80% in its states. So that will be good news for, well, not just Australian citizens, but um, anyone who's hoping to get into Australia. So good news for tourism and just um, broader travel in general. So that'd be good news for airlines as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can't wait to travel. Okay, let's uh, move on to our corporate game of Up or Down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Let's go with Netflix. All right. This is going to be an up for me because it is buying the children's classics under Rock Dull. And you might not know this, but Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is my favorite book of all time. Oh, that's so great. It is a delicious book. Yeah, and, you know, the golden ticket and all the oh. emotions you feel when you're reading it. You no, know, it really just captures your imagination. <laughs> and now you could just watch your Netflix. Oh, that's fantastic. Up for Netflix for me as well. Its share price climbed 3% overnight after it announced it acquired the works of Roald Dahl, one of my favorite British authors as well. Um, do you know that in school, Roald Dahl's teachers thought he was quite poor in writing? I've actually seen his report card wow. where a teacher scrolls the boy writes like a camel slowly that's hard to believe can you imagine I wonder if that actually spurred him on to who he is right now what a rejection note right alright next uh, let's look at Alphabet right Alphabet that's going to be an up for me and that is because its investment in Freshworks it's a software company mm-hmm. is up big time so it's made 900 million dollars just on its IPO day one Nice. That's a cool gain. 900 million US dollars for a software company, Freshworks, which Google's parent company, Alphabet, has a stake in. All right, next, let's look at a company called Toast. Okay, so this is an up for me as well. Also around IPO, um, three of its co-founders are all billionaires after it surged past $30 billion in market cap. So. It is doing very well for its employees right now who are invested in the Toast stock holdings. Fantastic. Toast is a restaurant-focused tech company, in case you were wondering. Next, I've been thinking of getting in touch with these people. FedEx. Why are you getting in touch with FedEx? I need to send a parcel back. <laughs> okay, so that'd be good news for them. It means business. But for now, it's going to be a down for me because um, its share price is down 9.1% mm. after it lowered its outlook for the year because of reasons including a tight labour market which means higher costs when it comes to hiring people, higher expenses and actually a bit of a slowdown when it comes to deliveries in terms of growth. So it is seeing some supply chain effects there affecting its deliveries as well. So down for me as well, FedEx, the biggest loser among the S&P constituents overnight, falling, as you heard, more than 9% after reporting those sharply higher costs. Okay, it's time to turn to Singapore now. We're 20 minutes into the local trading day. We'll get to the broader market in just a moment, but there is a hot stock that I want to ask you about, Ryan. It's called Aspen. SGX has asked the company if it can explain the market's recent interest in the stock. Can you fill us in? 
Yeah, for those of you not familiar with Aspen, mm-hmm. it's a Malaysian property developer and also a recent um, new player in the glove-making scene. And what happened was it jumped as much as 28.6% in trading yesterday. That's around 3.6 cents to 16.2 cents in the morning. And that triggered a query from the SGX. And they, well, are going to be a stock of interest in the coming days, uh, maybe because of some of the news it's been putting out. That is around Monday's announcement that it has obtained two clearances from the US FDA to market its nitrile examination gloves and mm. latex surgical gloves in the US. So that is a big market for it. And that could be one reason, at least, why there is now so much action around Aspen. Thanks very much. Asia-Pacific stocks mixed today. We'll keep an eye on how they trade throughout the morning. There are reports that a unit of Evergrande has negotiated coupon payments with bondholders and there's been a significant injection of liquidity from the People's Bank of China this morning. We'll dig more into the Evergrande story coming up at 10.05 in Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.fm. SG or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.